Hi, friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. As I was preparing for today's conversation about tools of discipline with adolescents, I looked up in the dictionary, what is the definition of an adolescent? And it said, of a young person in the process of developing from a child into an adult. Many parents find it hard to understand their adolescent children. And I couldn't help but laugh out loud. I thought, isn't that why we're here? And why we're listening right now, because sometimes that is the case and maybe not with all children. Maybe there's one adolescent child that is especially easy to understand in your family, but there may be more along the way who maybe are not quite as easy to naturally understand along the way. And I'm so glad to be able to have my mom back with me for this conversation. We've kind of done a series of conversations on tools of discipline over the last couple of years. It's taken a little while to get up to adolescence. And if you haven't listened to those, depending on the ages of your children, you may want to go back and you're for sure going to want to go back regardless to listen to episode 33. It was all the way back from May of 2021. And we talked about the heart of discipline and this is really foundational to beginning all of this. And we will kind of give a summary of it in a minute, but episode 33 would really be an encouragement to you to listen to first before even this conversation, because it's foundational to the putting the tools into practice is having our heart in the right place. And then if you have younger children, episode 41 was about tools of discipline with younger children. And then episode 76 and 77 was about discipline with older children. So I'm so glad we can be back again now to be talking about tools of discipline with adolescents. My mom is Connie Burroughs and she has raised myself and my three younger siblings who are all wonderful adults now and survived through all of our adolescence quite well. And not even just survived, she survived, but she enjoyed it and really persevered and took it on as her mission and her calling during that time. Not something she did on the side and not something that just happened conveniently, but something she really took on as God's calling for her during that time of her life was to make training us, training up a child in the way he should go one of her very highest priorities. And I'm so very thankful for that because it's definitely impacted who I am today. So mom, thank you so much for being back again today. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, honey. Well, and I was thinking, you know, with four children, you got to experience a variety of adolescence between a girl first and then a boy and then a girl and then a boy. And then with each of us came a myriad of other children who would make their way into our home for game nights or karaoke nights or whatever it was that you guys were always so hospitable to open your home to all of us, which was a blessing to us, but also a blessing to all of those other adolescents that I think about the times that my friends would say, you know, how much they appreciated their time with you or I think about friends who would spend more time with you than they would with me when they would come over. And I wonder, why are you hanging out with my mom? But, you know, you spent a whole lot of time with a lot of adolescents. 
Yeah, it was really a blessing. (laughs) Really, really fun. Super fun times. Well, let's first recap the episode 33 for anyone who didn't listen yet and pause it and go back and listen to 33 because they just really want to grab onto this adolescent phase. Um, let's recap that conversation first, because it really is a necessary foundation that we first talked about discipleship and the importance of discipleship when we're training up children. Yeah. And just recognizing that this really is so dependent upon the time you're willing to spend with your children, that you've really got to spend a lot of time and building a relationship with your children of all ages. This is from newborn up to young adult. I would I would say even with my adult children, the time is still important um, because I always go back to this statement that I heard Josh McDowell say years ago, and he said, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that is really, really true. Yeah. We also talked about that our goal is to raise self-disciplined adults. Our goal is to not raise perfectly behaving children. Right. Which is, which is why, and that's really hard (laughs) because Mm -hmm. perfectly um, behaved children is what the world sees. Um, But our goal. And it makes our daily lives easier. It feels easier. (laughs) Absolutely. But if we have kids that, you know, they march when they're around us, but when we turn our backs, they're awful then we haven't done them or ourselves or anyone else any favors. Right. It's helped me that idea that my goal is to be raising, I know self-disciplined adults, but specifically also that my goal is to be raising disciples. Mm -hmm. My goal is to not raise children. Mm -hmm. So keeping Mm -hmm. that end in mind is very different than getting stuck in the day-to-day. Yes. And then the last thing we talked about is that God has given us these children. So he will equip us since he has entrusted them to us. Absolutely. And recognizing it, it it can be so difficult, but recognizing he gave them to you and your husband to raise. Mm -hmm. And so he trusted you and and you're the mom he wants for your children. So even though you may feel like I'm the worst mom, sometimes, you know, you're the one he picked and he's going to grow you through it. Nothing like being sanctified by a house full of children. (laughs) Amen. Amen is definitely sanctifying. And it's, I mean, such a blessing, but it truly is sanctifying. Also, I have said many times that I believe motherhood is one of the most sanctifying parts of life. And I'm thankful for that. It's a blessing. Mm -hmm. So let's now move into this idea of adolescence. So we did two parts on older children, because we just had so much to say. So we'll see how this rolls with adolescent with adolescents now. But how are the tools of discipline with adolescents thinking about children who are about 12 years old and up? So really moving into that rush of hormones and desire for independence in a different way. How is the how are the tools of discipline different than they were with older elementary children? That there is a shift that takes place. Well, I think the the goals are still the same. The goal to raise self-disciplined adults who love the Lord and love others. Um, And we mentioned before that our children's behavior and hearts are influenced by our example. So that's the same, Mm -hmm. except I would say it's even more true as they get older. I think that adolescents are watching for your hypocrisy. They really, they, they can really see through you. If you say one thing, but you really live a different way, 
they're going to see that. And while they may never call you on it, they're noticing that. Mm -hmm. And remember that for better or worse, they are watching to see what does a Christian behave like? Yes. I talked some in episode 112 with Abby, who wrote M is for mama. Mm -hmm. We did an episode called train up a child not too long ago. I think we aired that one in, it was aired in November and it was a really good one. And that was one of the first things we talked about is when you're training children, one of the first parts is it has to begin with your own heart. Yeah, it really does. And, um, and I think that that also needs to be reflected in how we're living with them. If we're living with them in an understanding way, um, mm-hmm. That as with all people, we want to treat our children the way that we'd like to be treated. So it's mm-hmm. just interesting to step back. And it's hard to do sometimes when you're in the thick of it. Um, but to step back and ask yourself, if I were my adolescent child, is this how I would like to be treated? Mm-hmm. You know, phones bring a different challenge into that, too, that is different for our generation than I know it was, you still had things that were distractions in your life, but I think that the having a phone available to use at all times makes it so very different because whether it's a text from a person that we were responding to, I think back about when you were leading things in our homeschool group, because it's not like you didn't do other things. You still were involved in ministry at church. You still were involved in ministry in our homeschool group. You helped serve and, you know, soccer teams or whatever places we were involved in, you were there and being hands and feet there. But it was very different because you would probably have gotten a phone call, a phone call yes, <laughs> or been told something at the event you were at and handed a paper. And that was it. You weren't receiving six emails a day about the various activities and thinking about checking your subscribe and save on Amazon to see what was going to ship next. And did you miss the shipping date or, oh, I forgot to update that thing on that order. So it's just going to automatically ship. And I messed that up now that there's so, there are so many plates that are spinning that are tied to our devices that I have found that when I'm in a relationship with my older children, I mean, with all of my children, Mm -hmm. but really all of them, not, but with my older, really with all of them. That if I have my phone right there, it's so easy to get sucked into another distraction that I have at times even said, you know, I'm just a second, I'm going to put my phone away real quick and had them wait. And then I'll even tell them because this is training them again, adolescents are being trained differently with phone use because we're training them by what they see us do with it. That when I put it away to say, I want to make sure I'm really focusing on what you're telling me right now, which can sometimes be long stories of things or details of things that you think, really, are we going to talk through all of this? Especially when you've been with your children all day long, it would be very easy to try to expedite it and say, okay, well, I got to order this real quick. But, but again, that time matters and those conversations are investments and it shows them that you care. And wouldn't I want someone else to care about me and not be lost in their phone. Yes. You, you moms are really wading through new territory here. It, and it really is so incredibly different. I mean, I think about Krista, even when you were an adolescent, 
we probably had an answering machine by then, maybe. I mean, that's really funny to think about. I guess we probably did. If you can picture our kitchen when you were 12, we probably- I'm pretty sure you did because I feel like I remember being part of making the message for it. (laughs) Probably. Okay. (laughs) I can remember the message too, actually. So so we did. But just (laughs) think about that, that when we left the house- Then I got back home and we listened to the messages. I probably, you know, wrote them down or I could just replay them later, but that was it. There was, I didn't have a cell phone with me. And of course, even there many years went by that I didn't have, I didn't have a smartphone until probably my third child was going through adolescence, maybe, maybe fourth. And that's very, very different. So yeah, you guys are going to have to figure that one out. I just, <laughs> that's hard. It's really, really hard. But I think for you to recognize the principles of recognizing, asking yourself, because this this would be an overriding factor is always asking yourself, if I were the child in this home, how would I want to be treated? And mm-hmm. so imagine if I were always looking over my phone at you instead of looking just at your face. Yes. I did an episode a, quite a while ago, episode 87 called put your put down your phone. And it was a very good one. If that resonates with you, that struggle, because I'm not telling you because I have it figured out. I'm telling you because it's a unique struggle that so many areas of motherhood, I've been so thankful for having a good example in, but this is one that the technology has changed and the world has changed. So I find that I'm having to really live more by conviction than by example that was set before me. Absolutely. So what are some of the other ways that it's different, (laughs) not just different now in this generation, but also different with adolescents versus older children? Well, I, as our children grow in maturity, they should need less and less daily instruction. Our role becomes more of a mentor or a coach. Um, So somebody who's sharing knowledge, sharing skills, experiences, you know, helping your kids to grow. Um, you know, helping your kids, you know, your kids, you know, you think about a coach that you're a coach is helping, helping you to meet your potential. Mm-hmm. There's and, a, almost a different level of like an accountability right. that's taking place rather than necessarily the training that's taking place that maybe by this point, you know how to do these things, mm-hmm. but there's a different kind of an accountability calling you to step up and do the things. Right. Right. And I did. I definitely still helped to hold you guys accountable. I didn't just say, oh, you're on your own. You know, I definitely kept you accountable and got you places on time as much mm-hmm. as I could and that sort of thing. But, um, but you were as you know, much as I could. Thank you I, for being so honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time has never been my strong suit. Sorry, Krista. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, um, I do remember though, um, recognizing particularly with my boys that around seventh grade ish that I realized I needed to kind of hand them off to their dad for the discipline. Mm -hmm. And it's not that either of them were, you know, especially difficult. I do remember, um, one of our boys going through a rough patch around seventh grade that he just, kind of had a bad attitude a lot of times. And 
now, after he got a little older and we started talking about it, there were some things going on that I didn't know about that were causing him to have this bad attitude, some things going on with peers. But um, but he just, he sometimes didn't want to do his schoolwork. He didn't want to do his chores. And he really had never been this way before. And I realized that I really needed to hand him over to his dad because sometimes when I would correct him, he almost looked at me like, he thought I was kind of joking, like, okay, mom, you know, you know, you know, the voice. I remember the face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. he, he didn't like roll his eyes at me or anything like that, because you guys knew you'd get in trouble for that. But it was just a tone that I could tell he was not taking me seriously. So if I had trouble with him during the day, I would just call his dad, call dad and hand him, hand the phone to him and and then suddenly he would have the strength to pull the hoodie off his head and get his schoolwork <laughs> done. And um, I recently asked John, my husband, uh, what did you say to him when he would call? And he said he really couldn't remember, but he knew it was something to the effect of, you know, I provide your whole life for you. You, we get, we take you to your sporting events. We take you to church. We provide your haircuts. We provide your clothes. You know, he knew that his whole life was dependent upon us. And if he didn't straighten up, he was going to start losing some of those things. So, um, so anyway, I don't remember him ever getting in trouble when dad got home or anything. He just would straighten up. But, but I did, um, but I really did decide around junior high that it was time to hand the boys over to their dad for discipline. And uh, we did still have some rules um, like curfews and expectations for completing schoolwork and chores. But um, usually you guys just needed reminding. There weren't often a lot of consequences attached. As a matter of fact, I, I don't remember hardly at all, but I also know I probably just don't remember because you reminded mm -hmm. me of one when you needed a little help getting up on time. Yes. Yes. So needing a little help. They see even that though, that's just such a nice <laughs> attitude to have. What you're saying is you weren't getting up when I told you to get up. And I'd say, Krista, it's time to get up. And you'd go downstairs and then you know, make breakfast and have things ready. And then, all right, breakfast is ready. Come on down. And I'm supposed to be dressed and ready. And I'm still sound asleep in bed because I just didn't get up. So you say needing a little help or having a little <laughs> trouble. Reality is I was completely ignoring you and going back to sleep every morning because I didn't care. I don't want to get up. I was tired and I didn't even have to go to school. So it's fine. I'm just tired. She says with the tone of a, you know, 12 or 13 year old. But yes, I remember you telling me, and you probably even said it in the same way then too. something, you know, I know it's been hard for you to get up. And that's just, you probably said something like, you know, I want to help you be able to get better at this. So, and I probably already knew this is so annoying, whatever you're going to say, mom, <laughs> like, and don't be so nice about it. Just say it. Um, but that, yes, that you told me I would lose using my phone, that I would not get to talk on the phone all day long if I couldn't get up in the morning. And you know what? Funny thing that my alarm all of a sudden started waking me up in the morning and you weren't having to call me multiple times. And I don't even know if I ever had to lose it for a day, but that loss of a privilege and realizing 
how many things in their lives, like you really do own their lives still that there's a lot of things they have control over of their choices, but you kind of hold the key to every area still when they're in this age, in this age space, in the season of life. So that is a different way of consequences when children are older is realizing actually your whole life is a privilege, which is also perspective. I remember you saying to us, if if any of us dare say that we deserved something, especially (laughs) as we were older, well, you know, I deserve such and such you had with a smile say, well, you deserve to burn in hell, but I remember telling one of my friends that and their eyes getting so wide, like Miss Connie's, your mom <laughs> said that like, well, you do, you do know we all deserve to burn in hell. So <laughs> we are blessed that we don't when none of us deserve anything, but it did, it did, it reset my mind that everything is a gift. Everything is a blessing and a privilege, which can also be taken away. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. So I think there probably were consequences, but but I'm glad that that's not something that you remember a lot. That's good. I don't either. So let's talk about some specific tools of discipline, um, which again, really are ways to be training our children. What are some of the tools of training or tools of discipleship or discipline that are taking place once kids are in adolescent age? Well, I think one of the things is to have a plan. Um, This is such an interesting time if this is your first teen. I so vividly remember the first time you asked to ride with a friend and join a group of unsupervised teens to go bowling for the afternoon. I remember this too. (laughs) (laughs) Your dad and I were completely unprepared. (laughs) We'd never even discussed what our plan was for this. We didn't even know any of the boys who were going. And I think I ended up driving you there, coming home and having a long talk with John about the situation and then going back and picking you up. But we knew we knew that you were very mature and that you could be trusted, but we didn't know anything about these other students. So we decided that we needed to make it a priority to get to know these kids so that we could make wise decisions and not be caught off guard the next time this happened. Mm -hmm. So we needed a plan. So So you were happy to to invite those kids over to our house. Is that when you bought the pool table or the ping pong table? Probably. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Investment in fun. Yeah. And we loved getting to know them. And it turned out they were a very nice group of kids and were happy to come over for dad to cook them burgers or for me to pick up pizza. And um, so then we could make really informed decisions about what you should or shouldn't be doing with this group of kids. Mm -hmm. So we tried to coach you into making your own good decisions. And even as a 12 or 13 year old, if your friends were going to a movie, You and I would sit at the computer and read the review on Plugged In so that you could make a wise decision. And I think you actually found it really empowering and it taught you how to make informed decisions as an adult and that we weren't just saying yes or no for no reason. I would agree because I think about even moving into college years, it's easy. 
I think, to picture adolescence being a season and then adulthood being a season. But those college years are really a strange bridge that happen where you're not like really deep into adulthood because many college students don't have the same responsibilities that come with actually being a young adult and having a regular job and all all that that entails. Uh, And I think back to times when all of my friends were going to see a movie and it was a whole group of kids in college and me looking it up, what the movie was. I probably honestly didn't even have to look it up. I probably just knew by what it was rated and the way it was promoted that this is not going to be a good movie. And I was used to hanging out with my friends growing up who were used to me and they were used to me saying, no guys, I don't think I'm going to see that movie. Let's pick something different. And then they'd pick something different or pick a different activity to do. And so I had that foundation already laid because I was taught how to think and how to make the choices. I wasn't just being told this is what to do. So do it because that probably would have been easier. Maybe in the moment, it would have taken less of your time. Maybe in the moment, maybe not. Cause I would have probably stomped away or been irritated leaving the room, but maybe I was even irritated by, or disappointed in the world by reading the reviews as I was maturing in that way. But co- fast forward to college and here I am, you know, 18 years old or 17 years old, even maybe at this time. And these friends are all going to see this movie on a Friday or Saturday night. And I said, I just don't think that looks good. I don't think there's anything good in that. Why, why would we pick to go see that? Let's do something else. They said, well, this is what we're doing. So (laughs) you can come or not. And I mean, I was already, I had already made my choice and my choice was based on conviction that I had been trained in how to have. So if I were to go with them, I would have been going against my conviction. So I said, okay, well, have fun, I guess. And they were like, okay, we will. Bye. So they all went off and I turned back around and went back in my dorm room and ended up spending the evening preparing for children's choir that I was leading the next day and had not prepared for yet. And I remember thinking while I was preparing for it, I'm so thankful that I made the choice to stay home and do this instead of turning away from what I know is right in the name of a movie that would have been so stupid. And they're all probably going to wish that they hadn't spent their Saturday night filling their minds with filth. (laughs) Maybe Maybe I shouldn't have added the second thought. Maybe that was a little, a little bit holier than thou, but I'm sure that's what I was thinking. Well, maybe they did. Maybe they didn't, but, (laughs) um, but you know, so this is an example of, of trying to reach your children's hearts because mm-hmm. I wasn't there to watch you. So your heart had to already be seeking the Lord or you wouldn't have made that decision. Yes. Yes. Because that is our goal is to have our children's hearts for the Lord. And then in turn, they will be for us because God's word tells children to honor their father and mother. Right. But as we're leading them to him, then they will, they will also be drawn to us at the same time. Yeah. So thinking about having a plan, and this would be, you know, cover all kinds of things, but having a plan. And then the the next thing well, we talk- going back to one other thing too, Go about ahead. the having a plan. So okay. you you're you didn't always have a plan that was right. Oh not that your no. plans were wrong, uh, but that things came up that caught you off guard. Yes. Which really did encourage me hearing you say that because there are so many things 
that we haven't done. I mean, we're just on the brink of this ourselves, which is why I'm mostly letting you do the talking here and I'm enjoying it. Uh, But I think about how many times we don't know what to do next. And we think, I don't know this. I don't know if this is the right choice or not, or which is the right choice. So when you're in that place of saying, I'm not sure what, what do you recommend that a mom and dad do, or that a mom does in that moment? Cause oftentimes it's when it's you with your child, not you and your husband. And likely, I don't know what people's lives are like, but for us, we don't just get to say, oh, well, every evening we sit down, you know, with a cup of tea and can have uninterrupted conversations. Like as lovely as that would be, we kind of have to schedule in those conversations and I even have to take note of them to make sure we remember to have them. Yes. Well, uh, you're right. Sometimes things do, and things will always catch you off guard. Always, always. Um, you know, now I have four adult children and things still, sometimes I'm not sure how I need to respond. And I think one, there's a verse, I wish I had thought to jot this down. There's a verse somewhere that actually, I think it's in, I don't know, it's an old Testament verse that says something about, um, Lord, we don't know what to do, but we're fixing our eyes on you, something like that. And uh, and that really should kind of be the motto of our lives, right? We don't know what to do, mm-hmm. so we're going to look to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think the first thing is always turning to God in prayer. And that doesn't have to be, you have, don't have to get down on your knees right at that moment, just in your mind, in your heart to be able to just say, Oh God, I don't even know how to respond to this. Please help me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the first step. And then, you know, when you make a decision with your child that's 12 and up, or even, you know, some kids, I would say it's even 10 or 11. You know, some kids are more mature than others mm-hmm. to, to say to them, you know, I'm going to make this decision for you today. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it's the right thing, but it's the only thing I know to do. It's what I feel convicted to do. So I hope you'll just trust me in this because this is what we're going to do. And I remember a specific one, one year our church had decided to have like an outdoor um, Halloween event and where our church was located. I just did not feel good about it. It just did not seem like a safe plan, you know, just, It just didn't seem safe. And so your dad and I made the decision that we would not participate. And we did something different that night. And I I think we actually went to see a movie or something that night. We did. And we had canned like special candies that we got or caramel (laughs) apples as a family or something. I still remember. Okay, good, good. I'm glad because we ended up feeling really bad about it later. (laughs) No, it was great. It was really fun. I think we went and saw that thing you do. It like ended up being a lasting family movie. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. See, that's good because we looked back on it later and it turned out that it was like a really fun night and there weren't any issues. And in the following years, we did participate. But that year when we prayed about it and talked about it, we just did not have a piece about taking you guys. Hmm. So we didn't. So I'm glad you feel good about it. But I'm just saying you don't have to always act like you know everything and that you're mm. always right. And I, yes. I used to sometimes when I would hear parents say things like, you know, 
My child is not allowed to wear nail polish until they're this this old. You know, my child can date when she is 16. Well, gosh, you're really putting yourself in a box there because I, I, my answer when you asked me, because you heard other kids saying, my mom says I can date at this age. And I mm-hmm. said, well, we'll see what's going on when you're that age and we'll see who it is and what the circumstances mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we just can't know. We can't know mm-hmm. all those things. So I think right. leaving the door open to seek the Lord as you face all of these great unknowns. Yes. Well, I think that's a good place to pause today. And we are going to make this a two part because we have a lot more to talk about still. And I think that scripture is a really wonderful one to camp on. So I'm going to close us with that today that I did look it up. It's second Chronicles 2012. And the second part of it says, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And what a wonderful truth to hold on to that our eyes are going to continue to be on the Lord in those moments where we don't know what to do, whether it's with toddlers or teens or in between there somewhere or young adults uh, or struggles in our marriage, whatever it is that circumstance is, but we continue to turn back to the Lord and, and, and he will lead us as he led through the old Testament and we'll continue to. So um, I am going to ask if you have not, uh, had a chance to go wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or Apple, whatever that is, and leave a review. If you can go do that, it's pretty amazing the way that it works. The more activity a page has in the reviews that are left and in the ratings of the five-star ratings, the more that that happens, the more people are able to find this podcast. So people who listen to similar podcasts or um, similar topics, that this will come up as something that they can listen to. So just by going and leaving a quick review, what a blessing this is to you, or so thankful for this podcast, it can be something super short and sweet. But the more reviews that a podcast has, the more it comes up to be an encouragement of truth for other moms. So thanks so much for joining us. And we'll look forward to joining you again next week with my mom as we'll do a part two about tools of discipline with adolescents. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends.